Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share the journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are new to One of a Kind You, welcome. I share my journal entry from about five years ago, and I, then I reflect on what I know now and what I wish I had known then uh, to make that time a little bit easier. So my hope with sharing this is that it helps you with wherever you are in whatever journey you're on. So I am going to get started, and this is the third episode where I'm sharing my journal entry from December 17th, 2015. It was a long entry and there was really a lot of stuff jam-packed in there. So I wanted to take some time and just dissect each section of the entry so that we could really get the most bang for our buck. So I'm going to pick back up with that entry and start now. So Elaine, who was my counselor at the time, also wants Pete and me to come together, but I also am not ready for that. I'm embarrassed and don't want to be vulnerable in front of him. Elaine said if I'm not vulnerable in front of him, that I'm not being real with him. This is another struggle for me. When I've been vulnerable in front of people, I've been hurt. There are times I've been vulnerable in front of Pete and have been hurt. I just don't want to open myself up for that. I know it has to happen, but I'm dreading the day that it does. As I was telling Elaine about the past few weeks, she said it reminded her of a screaming baby in a crib that no one was coming to get. I often feel like that because being a stay-at-home mom is lonely and isolating. I can sign Casey up for morning activities, but it becomes too much being in the car all the time. She also likes playing at home. There are times where I feel like I'm on a deserted island screaming for someone to help me, but no one hears me and so they don't come. I don't like this feeling at all. Maybe some of the coping strategies will help with it. I also feel like a toddler having a temper tantrum when things aren't working for me. I lash out, become emotional, and have no self-control or filter. I almost feel like someone takes over or that I black out. I don't like this either. I'm an adult stuck in a childlike state, which is unproductive, uncomfortable, and frustrating, especially when I see other women and men too that function on a normal level. I am exhausted and feel defeated to the point where I've had enough and need something to give. And that is the end of the entry. So let me first just start with the whole being vulnerable in front of my husband and needing him to come to these sessions. Um, that was so hard for me, uh, partly because uh, in the past, men in my life hadn't really been available for me when I was vulnerable. So I have shared in the past, I believe, uh, that when I was a teenager, I was in an abusive relationship with my high school boyfriend. And when my parents confronted me and said that I could no longer see him anymore, uh, that was a volcano erupting in terms of the argument that ensued. And I remember vividly in the heat of that argument, I said to my dad, you know, I want to go live with my mom. And he said, okay. Well, I had gone up and packed all my things that night. And then the next day he saw my room packed and that sent him over the edge again. And he kicked me out. So he furiously loaded up the car with all my things. We got to my mom's house and he was throwing my things out of the trunk into the driveway and, you know, said, give me my effing house key. And uh, he didn't say effing. He actually said the word, took the house key and sped away. I didn't really have a relationship with my dad for five and a half years from that point forward. Um, 
our relationship rekindled when I left the high school boyfriend at the age of 21. Then my dad was willing to uh, have a relationship with me. But with that being said, we've never talked about that situation. And that, let's see, was 2003 when I left him. And so now it is 2021, what, 18 years? And we've never talked about the situation with the high school boyfriend. We've never talked about my dad disowning me for five and a half years, nothing. So that is one of the huge uh, memories that stands out for me where I was vulnerable, horribly vulnerable. And um, a man that was important to me in my life wasn't there for me in the way that I needed. And then the high school boyfriend, you know, I was vulnerable in front of him when he was physically abusing me or mentally or emotionally or verbally abusing me. And there was no uh, compassion or empathy there. And he was really cold hearted. If I cried or uh, got angry or showed any emotion in the situation, the abuse became that much worse. And then he mocked me and made fun of me. And um, so I just, it was such a scary thing for me to fully open up in front of my husband about the things that I was feeling mentally and emotionally. And, and more so when I was at the counselor's office, I just sat in the chair and cried and cried and cried. I didn't want him, I did not want my husband seeing me sobbing like a baby. Um, I didn't want him to see me that way. And he knew what I was going through because I always shared with him what I had talked about in counseling, you know, but what I recognize now is that it's, that this whole journey that I've been on wasn't my husband's journey. So for her to insist him, for him to come was on some level a very surface level strategy. It was like, oh, if Pete comes and listens to your complaints and how, you know, he could do a better job of supporting you or giving you this, the feedback or whatever it is that I thought that I was needing. If he comes and he hears what you're saying, then I can say, yes, Pete, this is what Kim needs from you. Then it was going to change everything and make everything better. But my gosh, that was the farthest thing from the truth because these were my wounds to heal. These were my limiting beliefs, my unserving patterns that I needed to heal. They weren't Pete's. And while Pete could have come and sat in that office with me and listened to me pour my heart out to this woman, it wasn't really going to change anything because it wasn't his, his healing journey. It was mine. So would it have given him perspective maybe to see me bawl my eyes out like a sobbing toddler? Perhaps. Um, but would it have changed anything? No, not necessarily because I had to heal. That was something that I had to do internally on my own. Pete couldn't do that healing for me. So while I understood at the time why she wanted him to come, it really wasn't about Pete. It was always about me. It was always about my healing journey. It was always about what I needed to do for myself. And so Pete never did come. And the last session I had with her was around January of 2016. And she said, so, uh, so at this point I was kind of wrapping up with the counselor because I was over it with her and I was tired of being, you know, borderline pressured into taking medication when I had made it quite clear that that wasn't what I wanted. But when I went for my last session in January at some point, um, she had made a comment to me that she was a social worker. So her, her job was to fix things. And if I wasn't willing to allow her to fix things, then she was going to find someone else for me to see. 
And honestly, that was the breaking point for me. I was like, I don't need this. You know, I'm feeling enough pressure just from my own self and enough hurt and pain for what I can dish out to myself. I don't need someone else dishing it out to me. And so I stopped going. And I will share more about that last entry when I get to that journal entry because uh, it's coming. But just know that if you are seeing a therapist or a counselor or a life coach and they're adamant that your husband or your partner come and that doesn't sit right with you or that doesn't feel like the step that you want to take, you don't have to do that uh, because it's your journey and it's not their journey, it's yours. And so you have to ask yourself what is going to be best for you as you continue on this journey. And if that means for you that your partner or your husband comes, then by all means, yes, if they're willing to do that and come with you, then yes, bring them, take them, have them be a part of that. But for me, that wasn't what I needed. The other thing that I wanted to talk about is um, the fact that she said I was like a screaming baby in a crib. Um, I probably was because the hard part was is that I was going through this healing journey and no one knew. I did not tell anyone. My parents did not know, especially my parents, because then I would have to say to them, hey, I'm in counseling, and the, the counselor says I'm codependent and anxious and suffer from childhood emotional neglect because of all the crappy things you put me through as a kid and because of an abusive relationship with the high school boyfriend. And I did not want my parents to feel badly about my childhood, um, although I'm sure there are times where I write in my journal that I wanted them to know. But deep down, I didn't. I did not want to put my parents through that because I know my mom, especially, carries so much guilt from my childhood, and I did not want to add that to her plate because, again, that wasn't hers to carry. It was mine. It was my journey of saying, you know what? These things happened. I can either let them define me, or I can use them to change. And so I didn't tell anyone. None of my friends knew that I was in counseling. Uh, my, well, obviously my husband did, but that was it. Like no coworkers knew. Well, I wasn't working at the time except for at the university, but like my department chair didn't know. None of my fellow online university teachers knew. And there was a couple that I was, I would say kind of close with, you know, we would chat periodically, you know, things like that. You know, we would chat whenever we would have a board meeting or a staff meeting but no one knew. And so of course it was like I was a screaming child waiting for someone to come and rescue me because um, I was begging and pleading for help from someone and no one was coming. And that was a very external way of approaching it rather than focusing on the internal and telling, you know, and getting to the point where I could recognize that I could actually do it for myself. And that was part of the trip up with being in counseling was when I had gone to counseling, the first appointment I was expecting her to say, you know what, Kim, you're struggling with your identity now that you're no longer a teacher. And these are the three steps that you take. We'll be good to go and you'll be recentered in just three short sessions. And that's not how it worked. And so I wasn't A, prepared for that. Um, and B, I wasn't prepared for the labeling of codependency, anxiety, childhood emotional neglect. I wasn't prepared for any of this. So all of this, I felt completely blindsided the whole process because I went there as a struggling stay-at-home mom who just left her teaching career. I had no idea that I'll say, uh, I'll call it Pandora's box of childhood trauma and pain was going to be opened. And so 
Um, I think part of it too comes back to vulnerability with not taking Casey out. Uh, we did, we tried a group at our local library and the moms there were not very welcoming uh, because it was a sister-in-law and a sister and a cousin or something. And then Casey and I were the outsiders and I've shared that story on a previous episode, so I won't reshare. Um, and then we did another group at uh, the rec center and those moms weren't really quickie like that, but each mom was there focused on their kid and there really wasn't uh, like mom socializing. And Casey would give me such a hard time at this particular mom's group, as did Lily when we would take Lily with us. Um, so, so it was vulnerable for me to go there and put myself out there in a position where I didn't know other women and then not be welcomed warmly. But it was also a position of vulnerability because Casey would act like a brat sometimes at these things and she would fuss and refuse to participate. And there I am trying to keep it together with a smile on my face, thinking, oh my gosh, you ungrateful little brat. I am dragging us out of this house to try and do something fun with you and you don't want to participate. How rude. Um, and so it was just easier for me to stay home because I didn't have to be vulnerable with strangers. I didn't have to be vulnerable with my kid and show up and try and play with her in front of a quote unquote audience and her not to be receptive. And meanwhile, I'll keep a smile on my face as I'm trying not to burst into tears that she's not playing along with me. So it was just easier to stay home, honestly. Um, and that perpetuated the feeling of being like I was on a deserted island. But that fear of vulnerability and that unwillingness to put myself out there was really what was keeping me on the desert island. Casey, you know, for the most part, kids are adaptable. So one day a week or two days a week, Casey and I had to be in the car in the morning to go to a fun thing and then come home for a little bit and then get back in the car at two o'clock to go pick Lily up, then so be it. But it to be home on some levels was easier because of the vulnerability piece, even though a lot of times it felt like the walls were closing in on us because we were not having a change of scenery and it was Groundhog Day. We would get up get Lily ready for school. My husband would leave with Lily and drop her off, then head to the office, and there's Casey and me in the house playing the same things day in and day out. So, and then I mentioned coping strategies. That was the other thing. I didn't have coping strategies. So, um, you know, I've mentioned in the past that the counselor gave me basically three things. She said, get off the crazy train and tell people what I need. Uh, spray my Pam so that codependency would just slide off and carry invisible scissors in my pocket so that if there were codependency strings that were attaching, I could just cut them away. Um, but I didn't have the coping strategies of being able to stop and take a breath in the moment. But plus two, because I didn't see myself as a person who could cope, those coping strategies probably would have felt really uncomfortable and awkward and they wouldn't have been things that I would have carried through with for a long period of time. Uh, because of the uncomfortableness and the awkwardness behind them. So it would have eventually led to frustration. So I really had to change my perception of myself in this situation before I could really expect any coping strategies to have a long lasting effect. And then as for the toddler having a temper tantrum, it just goes back to the baby screaming in the crib. You know, there were times where I did lash out and it was mostly out of sheer frustration because I felt like I communicated to Pete on so many levels. Hey, I need a break. Hey, I'm overwhelmed. Hey, it's been a rough day. Hey, 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 I need this, I need that. And I felt like no one was listening and no one was helping me. The problem is they didn't know how to help because I didn't know how to help myself. So I was expecting someone to come in and wave this magic wand and save me from my suffering, but I couldn't do it for myself. So anything that someone had tried to do, it wasn't really going to fix the problem anyways because I didn't really know what I needed. So um, I just didn't know how to say, 
okay, I'm really struggling right now. I don't feel significant. I feel way too much uncertainty. I don't feel love. I don't feel connection. So please, someone help me. And this is what I need. Or, hey, I'm feeling this way, but I need to do this for myself. So, Pete, I need you to take the girls for 20 minutes so I can go upstairs and journal or meditate or soak in the tub or diffuse some essential oils or read a book or listen to a podcast or listen to an audiobook, anything, anything. So this whole toddler temper tantrum thing was because I was so desperately trying to grasp for external things and so desperately trying to meet needs that I didn't even know I was trying to meet. And that's why I'm such a huge believer in the emotional needs, uh, which Tony Robbins developed with a psychiatrist. And I talk about them frequently. So you're probably thinking to, my, thinking to yourselves, not again, Kim, no one wants to hear your emotional needs talk again. Um, but the six emotional needs are certainty, uncertainty, significance, and love and connection. And then those are the, two, the four primary needs. And then there are two um, fulfillment needs and their growth and contribution. And in this time, I didn't feel like I was growing and I couldn't see that I was contributing as a stay-at-home mom because I was available to take care of Casey, which was saving us a daycare bill. I was available to get Lily from after school so we didn't have to pay for childcare. I was able to take them to after school activities to help them develop and grow as little human beings, I was available to take them to their doctor's and dentist appointments so Pete didn't have to adjust his work schedule to do those things. So I was contributing, I just couldn't see it. But because I couldn't see it, and I didn't even know what the six emotional needs were at that time, it was a struggle because I felt like I was constantly running on this hamster wheel to make myself a priority, to be a good mom, to be a good wife, to, you know, to be all the things to all the people. And at the end of the day, I was drained, drained. And what I didn't realize too is that I created this unrealistic perception of other people in my head. So I would see parents at school who seemed to navigate their child having a tantrum, tantrum in the car pickup line. I saw people, you know, out in public buying things and making decisions very quickly. Uh, and so in my mind, I was like, oh, these people have it all together and I don't. But what I didn't realize is that what I was seeing out in public was probably not what I, you know, what they were doing and feeling at home. They were in, you know, operational mode, a survival mode, doing what they needed to do to function out in public in front of people. But what I know now is that most often what we see on the facade, you know, the picture, social, the picture perfect social media feed the parents who seem like they have it all together when managing their kid with a temper tantrum, that's not typically how people function all the time. And I'm using the universal all the time because that's what in my mind was like, people have it together all the time and I never have it together. But in reality, people have it together maybe most of the time or sometimes. And it wasn't what I had built up to believe in my head. So that was also contributing to that frustration because I thought, you know, so negatively of myself with this unrealistic expectation of what I should be doing, thinking, feeling, and giving other people way too much credit and not giving any credit to myself. So it was no wonder that I felt exhausted and defeated um, to the point where I needed something to give. And I just didn't realize that that something was right there within me all along. It was making a declaration that I'm going to be a priority and taking the steps to figure out what I can do for me to make that happen. So that is all I have for you today on this episode of One of a Kind You. 
I thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found today's episode helpful and valuable and with some great takeaways that you can implement and use in your life. If you have a friend who would benefit from listening to this episode, please, please share. Um, Follow me on social media. My social media handles are in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you next week. And thanks again for tuning in.